Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by John E. Hoover of the Sporting News and also the franchise in Tulsa and Oklahoma City as we'll have a complete wrap-up of Big 12 Media Days and look to the season ahead as we are just six weeks away from the start of the college football season. Should be a good chat with him coming up in just a little while from right now. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges. And uh, TB, eight years ago today, the day that we're releasing this, on July 18th, this show was off and running. And uh, here we are, uh, still here. Uh, crazy, crazy that we've reached this point. I, I did not think that we would still be here, to be honest with you, after eight years. Crazy times, uh, I guess, uh, to get to this point. I love it. I've let you for, you know, another 20 uh i mean obviously i wasn't around july 2011 but come february march 2012 you gave me a quick little run around and i thought oh who's this guy sounds like he's 35 um come to the tyler jones headquarters and what was broken arrow was, was actually Kawita. That's a Broken Arrow address my parents have. Oh, that's that's oh, still Broken you, Arrow. You don't have to defend it. Accept it. Just accept it for what it is. I'm not from Kawita. I will deny I that. Mean, I will take that the to the tigers. grave. They're both the Tigers. I mean, it's close enough. Um, the Walmart is in Kawita. The Walmart closest to you is in Kawita. Is that your identifier of where people are from is where the closest Walmart so. is? The closest Walmart to you is the town that you are from. I think so. <laughs> So, so what uh, I mean, about people sure that Kuita live in? Come, I'm sure Kuita has come a long way in eight years, but then I show up at your house and I'm like, "Wait a second, this guy's not 35." <laughs> and then your parents are like interrogating, me like, "Who is this kid? <laughs> who's, who's this 19-year-old?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god!" I, I was waiting for uh, what's his name to sit down and be like, "Hey, yeah, you, you take a seat here." Thought I was on uh, what's the show called? Oh my God! To catch a predator or something is the way I was getting interrogated. I thought, "Who is this?" I thought, "Wait a second. I thought I was meeting a 35-year-old man, not a 15-year-old." I thought, "Wait a second. But it has been a ride, Jones. We've been to you. Obviously, you've been more places than I have. But I mean, we've been to Texas. We've been to so many NASCAR races. I mean, we've been met Allen Iverson for God's sakes. Uh, eight years ago, when I messaged you on Twitter. I did not think that this was going to happen. And I, I love when we get to the year anniversary because it allows me to reminisce a little bit. Right. Um, but, damn, has it been a great time. And now that we're here, it's just like, all right. Right. Ship is still sailing. Indeed. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've gone off and done some other things, but still come back once a week to do this show. And, uh, I mean, reaching people all over the world doing this show every single week has uh, been a pleasure. We ought to have the lady on that has the voice, the blog talk radio. All right. The, the old VTR days. Man, yeah, those uh, it's come a long way. That's the other thing, too, is we've done this show a variety of different ways, whether it was you know a nightly 30-minute podcast or a video stream. Uh, we've done this podcast format you know, weekly, uh, once a week for the last you know four or five years now, but whatever we did this show, you guys always responded. You found a way to listen, and you were with us uh, every step of the way, and so we certainly appreciate that uh, throughout this time. And 
glad that we can get to this point of uh, eight years. I'm excited really from two years from now when we get to year 10 because uh, uh, I already got some stuff in mind that we'll do. We're doing a live remote from Vegas. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Do it from I, Vegas. I, I feel like you gotta you gotta give him the you gotta give him the line. Tyler Jones here with you. What is it? What is it? Uh, so glad oh, to have my, you with us. Yes, so glad to have you with us. There it is. There it is. We need to make you a soundboard. A soundboard and have it ready to go from Vegas of all those things. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe that's what will be the works. We'll figure something out when we get to year ten, but. We got a lot to get to today, and not only just John Hoover set to join us coming up in a little while from right now, but Tom, I got to tell you, this uh, this past week has not been easy for me, as you can imagine, with uh, with Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, being traded from Oklahoma City, and I did TV in uh, in KC on Sunday night on a Sunday sound off on uh, NBC Kansas City four to one Action News. And this show I was on, it was like an around the horn type show as we each got, you know, like 30 seconds to say a take and it's on to the next topic. Well, in my, in my FaceTime segment at the very end of the show, I, I brought up a point with Russell Westbrook. Here's how I view Russell Westbrook. I was 12 years old. I'm aging myself here. I was 12 years old when Russell Westbrook came to Oklahoma City. And now I'm 23. And so I saw his entire time in Oklahoma City, all those things there, and you know, felt like I grew up with this guy in a sense. Um, I felt like a part of my childhood died last week when this trade went down, that this was the, the end of the world as we know it, um, but I'm not still fine right now. Uh, I'm a glass case of emotion dealing with this. I mean, just it, it is – I get it. The Thunder, you know, are trying to do this rebuild and trying to move forward. You know that the championship window closed on this team a while ago, but this was the face of the franchise. This was the best player, the most influential player, the most important player in the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and now he's gone in Houston, and of all places, of all places, gets to join James Harden where. Now I wonder, was Sam Presti a plant for the Houston Rockets the entire time? Uh, Maury, on, man. Maury's got him down. Right. He's a monster. Right. The, the way that worked out. But to see him go there in Houston, I mean, that's going to be tough to root for Houston. You know, I'll always be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan first. I won't root for the Rockets, but I'll root for Russell Westbrook. I want to see him do well down there in Houston. And so I'll always be a fan. I'm thankful for everything he did. There were a lot of good times. There were some bad times along the way, too. But this guy is everything that is about Oklahoma City. I hope and pray that he gets to finish his career in Oklahoma City, that he gets a comeback at the end, you know, for a year or two of some sorts, that towards the end of his career that he can finish things in Oklahoma City. I would love to see him uh, eventually moved back to Oklahoma City. You know, his you know, he's raised his kids there. His brother graduated from OU and everything. I, I could see, very well see. We talk about Tom, some of the heroes of the state of Oklahoma. You know, whether it's you know the Barry Sanders, uh, you know, Jason White, Sam Bradford, um, you know, some of these others, just in particular on the college side, Russell Westbrook could be everything like that and then some 
of being the face of this state for years to come. His playing days, he might not be with Oklahoma City right now, but he will forever be the face of that franchise, and there's always a place for him uh, back home in Oklahoma City. And uh, Thunder fans are certainly grateful for his uh, service all these years. Oh, now you know how I feel about the Tim Duncan. Now, I got to see Duncan obviously play his days out, but just in the same way or in the same vein, I feel your pain. Um, I felt Oklahoma City, I'm not even going to lie, when that video came out, I think it was Russell Westbrook that posted it, I teared up. Just a little bit. I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm tearing up at this right now. Uh, it's not even my player. Um, but he did, and we, you know, when KD left, we thought how much KD meant to Oklahoma, but now that Russell, Russell Westbrook stayed, and did all that, now we know how much he means, and it's a lot more. Right, and, and everything and then some of what this guy meant. And you see the pictures. I, I think that we, at times, tend to forget you know, just what went on in that stretch, but I went back and saw some of these pictures, Tom. The more tornado hits, who's there on crutches after an injury? Russell Westbrook. He's there on the scene within days of what happened there, trying to help people. You know, the Thunder Holiday Assist Program that you know has gone on for years since the Thunder's inception, Russell Westbrook has been all over that. The Why Not Foundation has really taken off and done so much for the community. The, the injuries he suffered, the heartbreak and some others, I mean, he still found a way to come back and, you know, come back two or three times harder than he was before. I mean, this guy was just everywhere. I mean, Russell Westbrook's impact in Oklahoma City is much more than basketball himself, more than basketball. Russell Westbrook's impact is you know, felt around the entire community. There was people that you know, couldn't give a damn about you know basketball or were just casual fans, but they loved Russell Westbrook and what he meant to uh, that community and that entire state. Yeah, oh, of course. And, I mean, he brought – I mean, James Harden, Kevin Durant obviously brought some of that too, but it was Westbrook who continued on and, and just for basketball's sake and just for Oklahoma becoming, you know, still being a great franchise and a great uh, a fan base, I, I hope um, that the fans will continue. I know there's not much to root for now, but, I mean, you get Chris Paul back. He's making his return to Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm not, it's, it's a bad attempt at being funny, but, um, you know, I hope that even though Westbrook is going to a, a trash franchise like the Rockets as much as I hate them, um, I, I hope he does still good. You know, I, if it was to come down to it, if it was going to be the Lakers or the Clippers versus the Rockets, I would probably root for the Rockets now. Um, but... Man, I mean, what a great run. I do hope he comes back. I think he will come back. I would be shocked if he didn't, even if it's in his, you know, final final years. Um, I would hope he would come back because uh, that would be really fun to see. Um, but, cow, what a window that closed for Oklahoma City. But now, you know, they have all these draft picks. It's just going to be uh, hard to ride. What is the what, the Thunder fans are calling now that I've seen on Reddit, ride the storm. It's the new trust the process, but instead it's ride the storm. 
so, you know, I, I'm glad to see some Thunder fans can get a little humor out of it uh, because it's not every day you throw away however many MVPs and Hall of Famers to not get one championship. And they, and they right. deserved one. They did deserve one, and it sucks that the, the window closed. Uh, I mean, at the same time, you had to go against the the Miami Heatles and and the Golden State Warriors, and I mean, still, you know, if, if those teams don't form, if those, you know, if the cookie doesn't crumble in that way, then Oklahoma City probably gets one. If if they never fire Scott Brooks, uh, or never, probably better said, if they never hire Billy Donovan. Uh, maybe we're looking at something different. I'm not going to put this all on Billy Donovan, but you know, Jones, how we feel about Billy. Right. I, I think also if you don't choose Serge Ibaka over James Harden, this franchise has I mean, that's hindsight 2020. Nobody, I don't think, knew how good James Harden was going to be. I would have taken him over Serge Ibaka. I said that at the time. We can check no, the I tape mean, on that. That is true. That is true, but – to how good he was going to be compared to where you know what he is now, and then obviously Serge gets a championship before any or you know before Westbrook and Harden. I mean, no one saw that coming. Right, right. Now with this this team, Tom, with uh, with Chris Paul there, and l- let me say first and foremost, Chris Paul. I know that he's at the end of his career. That's a big contract, but if he does play. For Oklahoma City, if they don't trade him, and the w- latest report from Woj was that trade talks have kind of stalled because you know forty percent of the players in the league are not tradable, not till December with uh, the new contracts that they've signed and salary cap situations. Right now, the team with the most cap in the league is the Atlanta Hawks. Right now, with a total of seven million dollars, there's just not a whole lot of money to spend. There's not a whole lot of assets to trade for right now that there is a good chance that Chris Paul starts the year with Oklahoma City, that he could be here. The Thunder are actively shopping him. They would like to get assets there. But I'll say this. If Chris Paul is going to play for Oklahoma City, even just for a short length of time, this is going to be a neat deal because without Chris Paul and the New Orleans Hornets coming to Oklahoma City, there is no Oklahoma City Thunder. There is no Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and James Harden and a finals appearance and all that. This is, you know, we, we focus so much on the Thunder, and rightfully so, it's in particular the history that they've had, but none of this would have happened if Hurricane Katrina doesn't happen and Oklahoma City hosts the uh, Thunder for the two years that they did and had as much success as they did in attendance and supporting, adopting the Hornets like they did uh, really proved Oklahoma City could be an NBA market. So I don't know how long Chris Paul is going to be in Oklahoma City, but this is cool to come full circle to welcome back Chris Paul into Oklahoma City in a place that he'd kind of been forgotten about for a while. Everybody focused so much on the Thunder that Chris Paul actually was the foundation builder for basketball in Oklahoma City. I mean, I think it would be really cool, and, and I, you'll know you will see some. I mean, realistically, Oklahoma City could flip him probably at the deadline. I'm going to guess. Maybe not. Uh, I guess it all depends. Uh, They'll flip him at some point. Uh, But if I'm an Oklahoma City fan, and and I just live in Oklahoma, and you know how I'm a Spurs fan, obviously. Everybody think that even listening to this show once knows how much I love the Spurs. 
I might even still get a Chris Paul throwback Oklahoma City jersey. I would rock that for 100%. 100%. Those jerseys, I mean, the retro, you know, the – the amount of retro that you can get out of that, you could you could do a lot. So I would if they can if I can find one on my little Chinese site, you bet for twenty two dollars that I'm gonna get one. Right, that'll be cool, uh, no doubt to see Chris Paul in or Oklahoma even if City. Thunder just did a throwback, even if they just embraced CP three, right? Just one night, I think it would be cool. Even if CP three didn't come. To throw it back to those old school jerseys, I think would be really cool. Yeah, obviously they'd have to work something out with the uh, New Orleans franchise, and also I guess that's true. The Hornets are now in Charlotte, so there's there would be a few things to figure out, some circles to work around there. But that would be cool to see if uh, that happens. But Chris Paul deserves a lot of credit for where Oklahoma City is at right now, even though he didn't play for this franchise per se. Just the idea of you know this was a young guy that went through a whole lot with Katrina, and they uh, they meant a lot to Oklahoma City and laid the foundation for basketball in Oklahoma City where it's at right now. And so that'll be cool to see. This Thunder team right now, Steven Adams, who we all thought was going to be the first one to go, even before Paul George, it was like, what's going to happen with Steven and his big contract? He's still there. Chris Paul's in town now. This Oklahoma City team, as it stands right now, Tom, they are in a situation where they're not quite good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to be at the bottom of the league either, to have a you know considerably you know high pick in the lottery, if that were the case. And so for Oklahoma City, they're kind of in a pickle right now because you know the, the way I thought of this was either go all in with a rebuild and completely unload and see what you can get, or try to see what you can do to be competitive. You know, whether it was, it was going to be one or the other, I felt, was go ahead and keep Russell Westbrook and Paul George, try to find another asset and keep trying to contend, or go all in with a rebuild and completely unload and get rid of everybody. And right now, Chris Paul there has has shown up. Steven Adams still around. The Oklahoma City Thunder, as they stand right now, are kind of just in the same position that we saw the Dallas Mavericks the last uh, several years, where they were uh, they weren't good, but they weren't bad enough either. I mean, they got Gallinari, they got the other piece from the Clippers. What what do they call him? SGA, um, the rookie guard. Yes, right. They got Stephen Adams. I mean, Chris Paul. I mean, you could form a lineup. Honestly, of CP3, um, Roberson. The the rookie guard from uh, the Clippers, uh, Stephen Adams, and, and another piece, and you could have a formidable team. Now, maybe not one that gets into the playoffs, but one that's fighting maybe for an eighth seed, or maybe you know, tenth in the conference, and and that's saying something in the Western Conference. Now, should they? No, no. With I mean, they ought to go full tank. Ride the storm. Maybe that's just me. Uh, you know, oh, I put agree. A product on the court that's going to compete every you, you've night. You've already don't, you've already gone this far. It. You've already gone this far with the decisions that you've made with this franchise. Just go ahead and go all in at this point going forward. Tom, here, here's what your lineup would be if the Thunder, if their season started today, as as you kind of mentioned there. Stephen Adams at center, Chris Paul at point guard. 
Gallinari at small forward, Patrick Patterson at power forward, and uh, SGA would be your starting shooting guard with uh, with Schroeder, Nerlens Noel, Andre Roberson, and uh, Deontay Burton coming off the bench for Oklahoma City. That's not a good team. I mean, you got a couple pieces in you know a Chris Paul and a Stephen Adams, but that's just it. I mean, this is not a team that is a playoff team. They're okay, but this is not bad enough. I mean, eventually the Thunder have got to decide. You know, either you know don't do this or go go all in with it. Eventually, as much as I love Stephen Adams and and I like Chris Paul. This is not – if you're going to tank, this is not the plan for it. No, I mean, go ahead and tank if you're going to tank. You know, if you're going to tank, go ahead and just do it. Don't beat around the bush. Just just do it. Just go. I mean, embrace the tank if you got to do it. Uh, as much as that sucks, I mean, one thing, and I'm saying this not as a Thunder fan because it is hard to watch. I mean, I couldn't imagine being a Suns fan or a Knicks fan or a Hornets fan, I could not even imagine. Um, I think, you know, you got to embrace the tank. One good thing, the only good thing that maybe comes out of this is that in Oklahoma City, and we haven't seen this for a long time, you're going to be able to find cheap tickets. Uh, if you want to go see the Lakers, uh, if you want to go see the Clippers, if you want to go see any other team, if you've been missing out on a superstar that you haven't got to watch, Oklahoma City is going to be, you know, one of the better places to do it whereas maybe New Orleans or Dallas in this vicinity was the closest you could get to a cheaper ticket or maybe even Memphis. Now you're looking at New Orleans with Zion. The tickets are going to skyrocket. You look at uh, Dallas with Luca and Chris Stops. You look at Memphis with Jay Morant. I mean, uh, this is going to be your best. You know, Even if you went to Denver, uh, you're not going to find a cheap seat uh, in in. Even further, I mean, I don't know who would be further north. The Cavs, the, that's the next furthest. Oh, the Pacers, maybe? Minnesota, uh, right. Yeah, so, I mean, this is going to be, uh, if you want to watch somebody, this is the prime time to go ahead and just go ahead and do it. Yeah, just go ahead uh, and. Go get, the, go get the courtside seat. Do it. This is the, These are the years to do it if you live in the area. Right. Time for Tom and I to get those courtside seats at the peak that we've been waiting for. Uh, I think so. For our whole lives, uh, for this opportunity, for the last uh, 11 plus years. But with, with all this being said, you know, we, we figure where Oklahoma City is going to be. As it stands right now, they're not a playoff team, but they're not one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. Where they're does not the Western. Suns. Right. Where does the Western Conference stack up right now, Tom? I, I felt like before the trade that the Clippers were the best team in the Western Conference. I still do. But. The Rockets, with the pieces that they have, with Clint Capella, as well as their backcourt with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I could see the Rockets getting as high as the two seed. I think that they, they're they the two or the three or the four uh, right up there with the Lakers. I think the Clippers are the best, but I don't think the Rockets are that far behind now. See, I'm not so hell-bent on the Rockets. I, I'm still waiting on this experiment to happen. There's going to be some chemistry issues. There's going to be some. What do you mean experiment? Issues. We've seen this work before. Well, I mean, I see that, but they've both evolved of different player as different players. Um, so, if I had to say it right now, it's Clippers one. Uh, I would say Clippers one, Denver two, 
Lakers three or Warriors three, Lakers four. Um, Rockets either five or six. Uh, swapping. I'm gonna be a homer here. I'm gonna say the Spurs. Um, and then you don't have Port- all- you don't have Portland in your top six. Okay, so I think five, six, seven, and eight are all interchangeable at that point. Okay. Okay. I think that's I think that that's kind of what we saw this past year. Yeah. I don't think it changes. I, I think the Rockets with Russell Westbrook, I, I don't have any concerns about Russell Westbrook and James Harden playing together. They want to play together. They've done I this before. Concerns. They've played well together before. I know it was earlier in their careers, but I, I think this is gonna be just fine. I think that these two are going to make it work because they want to make it work. Um, I, I think it's going to be just fine. I don't think they're the best team in the West. I think that belongs to the Clippers. But Denver, the Lakers, and the Rockets, those three teams are right there together. And the Warriors are, are still in the mix as well. I, I still like the, this uh, Rockets team. I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to compete for the West and uh, be one of those teams that's capable of doing so. I think the Clippers are the best, but I do think that there are a few teams that could uh, walk away with this Western Conference title as it stands right now. But we're setting up to, for one of the most interesting NBA seasons in quite some time with so much parity in the NBA, and the Rockets only add to that right now based on uh, where they're headed in uh, the opposite direction of the Oklahoma City Thunder as of right now. Coming up, John Hoover from the Sporting News and the franchise in Oklahoma is set to join us. We will Get the full recap on Big 12 Media Days, and then we'll uh, continue that discussion with uh, Tom Fullery as well on the other side. I'm Tyler Jones alongside Thomas Bridges, and you're listening to The Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report from the Sporting News and also the franchise in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, it is John E. Hoover who is back once again, fresh off of Big 12 Media Days down at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Hoove, what's happening? Uh, how was the uh, Big 12 Media Days down there? Nice uh, new setup this year. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say I'm fresh off of uh, Big 12 Media Days. Uh, driving to Dallas uh, and back last night, not last night, but, you know, getting back late. After a couple of eighteen-hour days, uh, it's a it's a bit of a grind, but uh, it is it is the unofficial beginning. I call it my official beginning of college football season. So yeah, I'm fired up, and ready to roll. Yes, uh, I am right there with you. And uh, that uh, that setup this year, they did it at uh, AT&T Stadium. There, uh, the last couple cool. of years, it's been in uh, Frisco. Few years before that. It was at the Omni. Uh, this was a pretty neat deal. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, everybody there in, in just a, such a, you know, one of the nicest stadiums in the country there. Uh, what, what was the atmosphere like for all this? It was uh, it was visually stunning. It really was. Because uh, that scoreboard, the video board, the, the largest in creation, right? Uh, you, you look up and you see Tom Herman or you see Lincoln Riley or you see Mike Gundy and their face is like 75 feet tall. That's impressive. And then they had the, the Big 12 had the banners uh, from each school streaming from the top of the bottom of the scoreboard down to about, I don't know, 15 feet uh, high. Uh, so just enormous banners. And the way they did that was to create an auditorium effect. So it was imagine like a like an amphitheater. Uh, those banners created kind of a sound uh, director, I guess, a sound direction, directional kind of uh, effect. And the sound in there was perfect. The video, the lighting was perfect. Uh, you know, for the purposes of being at a media day, 
those things aren't always bad or the, you're too crammed into a hotel ballroom and you can pick up too much ambient noise. This was absolutely perfect. And I told the Big 12 folks that. They said it did. Uh, it was costly for the for the Big 12 office. It was something that Jerry Jones, believe it or not, did not donate to the Big 12 <laughs> conference. He charged them the full rent, the full uh, effect. Uh, he charged them every penny that uh, that he could to. Uh, you know, you're talking about catering. You're talking about logistics. You're talking about hiring people to come in and work the event security. You're talking about uh, uh, sound and, and, and lighting effects that are that are brought in just for this, uh, you know, cables uh, going across the entire thing. So it was uh, it was quite a production. It was by far the biggest media day production that I've ever been to. Yeah, it uh, certainly sounds like it, and it looked like it was a big success over that uh, two-day stretch that it was. And the SEC media days get so much attention that a lot of people were talking about Big 12 media days uh, that maybe weren't winning otherwise, and maybe uh, you know that certainly helped with, uh, with being there in Arlington. But uh, we'll talk the football end of things here in just a second. But first, just the conference notes of sorts. Uh, I mean, we, we got more details on this Big 12 online network that they're starting with ESPN+. Plus. The schools not named OU in Texas will be a part of this, and, and it all starts this year right away with third tier runs going now. Yes. Uh, what, what are some of the, the details on this of what exactly is going on with this uh, ESPN Plus partnership? I know fans aren't going to be too happy to uh, have to throw in a, an extra couple bucks every month just to uh, see some yeah. of these games. Well, you hit you hit the, the nail on the head. Number one, it's on ESPN Plus. Number two, it doesn't include Oklahoma and Texas because they already have their own successful third tier uh, packages that, that go out to their fans. Um, so as of right now, this is this is what I uh, this is what I gathered. Um, it's five bucks a month to, to get on the ESPN Plus uh, app or service. That's not going to be too much. I'm certainly going to going to get into it once once uh, things get going. Um, but it sounds like the Big Twelve wants to. This is this is their toehold. This is their foot in the door, so to speak, to having their own network. This is the best they can do right now. Are Texas and Oklahoma on board yet? Of course not. No, because they're making money hand over fist with the Longhorn Network and Sooner Sports Properties. So, when the uh, when the conference, you know, rights are up in 2024, 25, when uh, when the, you know the negotiations begin with ESPN and, and Fox Sports and that kind of thing for you know new new uh, broadcast rights, when when the conference grant of rights comes up in 2024-25 when expansion is back on the table which uh, you know Bob Bowlesby assured us uh, somehow someone answered asked that question and Bob Bowlesby answered it it's it's not on the table it's not uh, uh, anything that's up for discussion but when all that stuff comes to a head and there were negotiations will will begin on that about 2022 or 2023 but when that starts to happen that's when the Big 12 is going to make a push to get Oklahoma and Texas on board with uh, moving their third-tier properties to ESPN, ESPN Plus, uh, whatever iteration the Big 12 Network or Big 12 Now starts to take at that point in uh, at, at that point in time. I, I think it's they're they're basically like holding a place at the table for OU and Texas. That's the best they can do at this stage. 
Right. So, right, exactly. They're they're putting this together for now, making the most of what they can in, in hopes of it developing into something later. And, and also this online network thing uh, gives them more flexibility as opposed to maybe these situations where you've seen the ACC and SEC or, you know, just trying to be on TV. The Pac-12 is not even on half the you know, markets in the country right now right. Uh, with their struggles. So, you know, it, there, there is more accessibility there compared to some of the others. But that's interesting to follow. Also, uh, ultimately, I like it. Okay, so so you asked me what I think of it. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's fantastic. Um, so my daughter plays played college soccer. She just graduated. And I would have loved more than anything to have her games on television. Now, at a place like OU, a place like Texas, they're on television regardless. But at a place like Kansas State, where actually she said she's had her club teammates and high school teammates play throughout the Big 12, Kansas, Kansas State, and, and on and so on and so forth, and accessed the app, the ESPN Plus app, and said, scroll down and said, I'd like to watch the Kansas at Kansas State women's soccer game. You know what I mean? Because right. uh, these, these girls are, are friends of mine. So just from a sports consumer standpoint, I think it's fantastic. You're going to see softball games. If you want to, you're going to see soccer games. You're going to see uh, the the full gamut of, of sports. And, and Bob Bowlesby was very proud of the fact that a lot of uh, Olympic sports or non-revenue sports, as they're called, are going to be distributed on, on this Big 12 Now, Big 12 uh, Network and ESPN Plus app. So uh, I, I think it's fantastic. Now, is it a... Is it, is it a game changer for the Big 12? Is it a moneymaker? Is it the SEC network or the Big 10 network? Oh, of course not. But it's something that uh, parents and friends of parents and families and kids and, and so on and so forth around the league can finally have access to, to get in and watch their, uh, watch their kids play. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And, and the other big uh, note was uh, the when the officiating crew came out to talk about what's going on there, this this horns down controversy, this thing just won't go away. I mean, we're still talking about it now, and, and I, I don't feel like that we got – really much clarity on that either you i mean they're saying you have to do it real quick whatever i mean this this makes no sense to me this is yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of gray area here isn't there greg burks is the uh is the uh coordinator of football officials and he got up there and started talking about as they always do used to be walt anderson now it's greg burks um but inevitably the question came up what about a uh taunting penalty for horns down well yeah uh Here's what here's what I gathered. If Texas against Oklahoma in the uh, Red River shootout, Red River rivalry, and they score in the north end zone, they can run through the end zone and go horns up. But if they score in the south end zone because of the field is 50-50 split, according to Greg Burks's uh, words here, according to his uh, his theories, if they score in the south end zone and Texas runs through the end zone, Sam Ellinger, whoever, Keontae Ingram, and does the horns up, that's taunting. Oh, wait, you say it just applies. One team wants to do this, the other team wants to do that, but only one team gets penalized for it? Oh, my gosh. This uh, this sounds like a mess. Uh, I'm not looking forward to uh, when this day comes, when this will be, uh, when we get back to football season, have this debate once again, when something is called, when something's not called. Yes, it's it's a yeah. it's a disaster waiting to happen uh, per se. Uh, you know, once again, and it was a mess last year. But, anyways, uh, football side wise, uh, Les Miles was the first coach to uh, take the podium 
on Monday, addressed the Puka Williams situation right away. What was kind of the uh, the, the the thoughts around Les and everything? Was he kind of the, the guy that everybody wanted to hear from the most uh, come media days and everything, with uh, this being his first time there at Big 12 Media Days quite some time? Yeah, judging by the crowds, I would say no to answer that question. But he was on the list of guys that everybody wanted to talk to. Uh, number one is Herman always. Number two is Lincoln Riley uh, always. And then uh, I would say Les had a pretty good crowd around him. Uh, and, and with there being four new coaches, there was a lot of guys wanting to talk to the new coaches as well. So I should say guys and girls, a lot of reporters is what I mean. Um, Les, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that caught a few people off guard because I, I felt like when he started his press conference that uh, there, were, there were people rolling their sleeves up saying, I'm going to ask the Puka Williams question. You watch this. I'm raising my hand, and I'm going to ask him, by God, what's going to happen with Puka Williams and what he thinks about it and why he did it and blah, blah, blah. Let's cut them all off at the, uh, in the opening comments. That was uh, obviously uh, predetermined what he was going to say. He actually, it was weird. He actually kind of stopped himself and said, now, let's talk about this. We have a topic we need to get to. Let's talk about this. Uh, so that was impressive work by Les. I still think there's a mixed bag uh, of reviews. You know what I mean? Uh, I still think that there's um, people that there are people who are upset that Puka Williams is playing at all, and I think that there are people who um, are satisfied with a seven-month suspension from the program and even a one-game suspension, a largely meaningless one-game suspension. Um, I'm a little, honestly, I'm a little torn. I'm a little down the middle myself on that one. Yeah, well, and, and, and John, you, you and I saw firsthand the outrage there was when OU gave Joe Mixon a one-year suspension and was not kicked off that team and just all the outcry that led after that. Uh, there, there might be a mixed bag, but it doesn't seem like that there's the outrage per se, not even close to what there was with Mixon, and he had a much longer suspension. Um, yeah, te- technically, I guess he would, he would have had a longer suspension. Well, seven, seven and a half months is what they said, right? From January to July 15th. So, um, I want to say Mixon, it was, he was essentially red shirted, you right. know, he, he missed the football season and then he missed the following spring and then he was reinstated during, uh, immediately after spring practice. So similar, um, I take you back to 2005 when, uh, Dusty Dvorak, it wasn't a, a, a violence against a, a female. It was violence against one of his high school buddies. Um, he got suspended after it came out that he was a you know repeat offender and had anger management issues and and so on and so forth and, and alcohol addiction issues. And he got those addressed. He got suspended for that 2005 season and was reinstated in December after the Big 12 championship game or it was announced after the Big 12 championship game that he would be reinstated after the season. So, uh, just, I mean, there's some precedent there where, you know, bad behavior, and that was a long time ago. That was 14 years ago now. Um, So there's some precedent there that, you know, at least on the part of Oklahoma, that this is how you handle this. You, You remove them from the program. He's not coming back. He applies to the conference for reinstatement. And a, a quick aside, Dusty actually uh, used a uh, applied for a medical redshirt because of his uh, what he claimed at the time was alcohol uh, addiction. So he got that state that season reinstated by the Big Twelve Conference. And that's something. Uh, we're talking to John Hoover of the uh, Sporting News and the franchise in Oklahoma City and Tulsa right now here 
on uh, the Jones Report this week. And uh, who of, of, of these coaches and just some of these players, who kind of stood out to you? Who had a, a, a good performance at a media day? Who, uh, who caught your eye those, uh, those two days you were down there? Um, Matt Campbell, as impressive a guy as there is to me in the Big 12 Conference, no doubt about it. Uh, and, and in terms of, uh, the newcomers, I mean, everybody likes being around Matt rule. He's got, he's got a, uh, an infectious energy. You know, I'm around Lincoln Riley and Mike Gundy a lot. So I'll kind of exclude them because I, I know who they are and what they're about. Uh, but every time you get around big 12 media days, you get to be around coaches that you're not around a lot. And so, uh, and then I'll just, uh, I'll just also include among the new guys, as I was getting ready to reference Matt Wells at Texas tech. And uh, Kansas State's Chris Kleiman are absolute, just salt of the earth ball coaches. Just guys that just want to get in there and coach ball, uh, teach young men. You know what I mean? Uh, there there right. doesn't seem to be a lot of fluff around these guys. Doesn't seem to be a lot of bluster, and that's impressive. And when you start talking to them, not just about strategy and and football philosophy and X's and O's, but you start talking to them about the fundamentals of life what they look for in recruits, how they enjoy meeting recruits' parents to be to get a, to become a better judge of, of the character of those recruits and things like that, family life, their own families, uh, how important that is to them and it has been in their careers and shaping their careers to this point. Those two guys, very, very impressive. And then i got to say I'm impressed also with, uh, with Neil Brown at West Virginia. Uh, I think all three of those hires were tremendous hires. Uh, now that I've – I can see, I should say, maybe – why those athletic directors and administrators hired those guys because they're impressive individuals. Hoove, uh, the, the the media poll was released uh, a couple days before media days. Also, the uh, All Big Twelve preseason team was released as well. Sam Ellinger named the uh, first team quarterback and also picked for offensive player of the year. Uh, he, he was only one or two quarterbacks that even made the trip to uh, media days, I believe, that uh, you didn't have uh, some of these others. Uh, you, you got a league with him, Brock Purdy's back, Jalen Hurts comes into the fold. Do, do you mm-hmm. think Ellinger's the best quarterback in this league, or do you think someone else is going to be uh, walking away with that, uh, that those awards uh, come postseason? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I, – I, I don't know. I don't want to knock Sam Ellinger. First of all, he's he's a little bit sensitive. He strikes me as a guy who's a little bit sensitive. Uh, but secondly, huh. I think he's a tremendous kid. I really do. He's he, he's overcome some real challenges in his life. He's got a uh, great character. And the progress, this is what I wrote about for the franchise uh, last night. The progress that he showed in 2018 from throwing essentially two game-losing interceptions uh, in the season opener at Maryland to then setting the Big 12 record for most passes without an interception. How do you go from one extreme where you literally lose the game to the other extreme? I remember telling my co-host, Colby Powell, Sam Ellinger is a hell of a football player. He's just not a good quarterback. And now here we are, 2019, and he's the first team all Big 12 quarterback. <laughs> so I, I'm, actually, I'm absolutely blown away by, by this kid's progress, his toughness, his mental tenacity. Um, but – I got Jalen Hurts as my as my uh, uh, Big Twelve most valuable player. I voted him that in uh, in the off season when I wrote for Lindy's magazine, the Big Twelve preview. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a ton of weapons around him, legit NFL draft, uh, All American type weapons at tight end, at running back, at receiver, and Jalen Hurts' job 
nobody knows Jalen Hurts' job more than Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma now. Right. And that and that is to get the football to those playmakers. So I've got him as the uh, as my All Big Twelve quarterback. But I get the Sam Ellinger thing. I get it. Uh, and, and having said that, how do you go against a guy with the talent level of Charlie Brewer, who's also got players around him? How do you go against a, a talent the, the talent level of a guy like Alan Bowman at Texas Tech? Right. Texas Tech probably going to struggle this year, but Alan Bowman can flat sling it. I mean, he might be talent wise as a freshman. He might be on the level with anybody. Anybody except maybe Pat Mahomes that Texas Tech has produced over the years. And then uh, at Brock, Brock Purdy at Iowa State, if Iowa State's going to be a contender, Brock Purdy has to be – well, Brock, Brock Purdy was pretty spectacular as a freshman. We're going to believe he's not that as a, as a sophomore. He's, he loses Hakeem Butler and David Montgomery, obviously. But uh, I, think, I think Iowa State contends, and I think Brock Purdy ultimately contends for all Big 12 honors. Big 12 is pretty loaded this year with good quarterbacks. Absolutely. It's a quarterback league uh, traditionally, and this year is uh, no different. I'm all in on Brock Purdy. I, I think that uh, there's a chance he could be the second quarterback off the board in 2021 after Trevor Lawrence. He's that much of a talented quarterback uh, when he brings the table. I was so impressed with him last year. But Jalen Hurts, I- I'm with you. I have him as the All-Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. I don't know if he puts up the numbers that Kyler or Baker did just because those numbers were so astronomical i mean jalen could have a great year john but still not put up the numbers those guys did that's fine they can't have too much of drop off but they can have some and still be a relatively productive offense yeah and i'll tell you what else where where else i'm going with jalen hurts over sam ellinger uh sam ellinger's offensive coordinator is tim beck His, his play caller play designer is is uh tom herman so to speak his quarterback's coach is tim beck Jalen Hurts has had four different offensive coordinators in his three years at Baylor, four different quarterbacks coaches in his three – I think I said Baylor. Bama is what I meant to say. Uh, and he's had four different quarterbacks coaches in his three years at Bama. Now he's coached by a guy that is is pretty widely regarded as the best in the country, the quarterback guru, the wizard, play caller, the guy who designs plays that, uh, that out-scheme he college football. His schemes are – just maddening to defenses and that's lincoln riley so uh lincoln riley who has produced two back-to-back heisman trophy winners back-to-back number one overall draft picks yeah i'm gonna trust him over tim back sorry all right yeah i'm with you i'm on the same page there and and it, it seems like that lincoln's had a good ability to adjust accordingly with some of these guys too that uh I, I would fully expect that yeah Jalen Hurts isn't going to throw the ball like Baker or Kyler did that they're going to find ways to use him to his strengths I mean that's one of the best things that Lincoln Riley does is he plays to the player strength that he has offensively he's not going to ask him to beat those guys yeah if you look at his freshman season Jalen Hurts ran the football more frequently than Kyler Murray did he didn't have he didn't achieve a thousand yards but it's just short like 950 yards Jalen Hurts is a weapon in the running game. Uh, he's a big, thick kid. He's fast. He's not as fast as Kyler, not as jittery or elusive as Kyler. But I would not be surprised at all to see uh, Jalen Hurts be used in the quarterback run game, in the design quarterback run game, more than Kyler Murray was. Uh, he's just a multifaceted weapon. They're going to work on his passing. They know that at some point he was a little bit limited throwing the football. But again, if you're an offensive, if you're a quarterback and your offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach changes literally every year and one time twice in one year, uh, you're, you're gonna your development's gonna be set back. I think he's gonna we're gonna see strides out of Jalen Hurts this year. 
How different was your rankings for the uh, the poll for how you see this league playing out compared to the media poll that uh, that came out just a couple days ago? How, how do you have this league playing out, John? Yeah, I don't think it was too different. I think there's a pretty wide consensus that uh, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and TCU fall into that four, five, six group. And I had Baylor at four and TCU at six. And I think the media poll had TCU at four and Baylor at six. Oklahoma State still at five. Uh, I think we're we're the same one, two, three, which is Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, and I think we're the same seven, eight, nine, ten, which is Tech, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas State, and Kansas. Okay, okay. Um, looking at that, uh, you know, what's it what's it going to take? Do you think that you know there is somebody that can take down Oklahoma? Is Texas capable? Is Iowa State somebody capable of making this interesting, or is it going to be Oklahoma's to lose once again? Uh, I think it's Oklahoma's to lose, and I hope people don't think I'm saying that just because I'm in Oklahoma. The fact is that Sooners have won four straight for a reason, uh, and Lincoln Riley is a huge reason uh, for that. Um, I do think Iowa State can challenge for a spot in the Big 12 title game. They came into I, they came into Norman two years ago and won. It's Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's first career loss. Uh, I do think Texas can certainly uh, get a spot in the Big 12 title game. I think Baylor is a, is an outside contender just because I believe in Matt Rule and Charlie Brewer. And what's going to hold Oklahoma back to me is is personnel, and that is uh, I think there's a pretty wide consensus as well that Bill Biedenboe is the best offensive line coach in the country. I think if you poll other offensive line coaches, I think Bill Biedenboe would probably get the most votes. So he will develop those guys. But the simple fact of the matter is he's got to replace four NFL guys. Four guys from a five-man offensive line who are in the NFL right now. They also lose uh, their H-back kind of guy, uh, Carson Meyer, Un- Tulsa Union kid. Right. Um, and they lose uh, they, they lose those four offensive linemen up front. And, of course, they lose the Heisman Trophy winner for the second year in a row. I think Jalen Hurts will fit in nicely in that role, but they've got some work to do on the offensive line, and Bill Biedenboe knows that. That is job one. I think that's more pressing, honestly than than uh, Alex Grinch rebuilding the defense. I think that's going to happen, and I think it's going to be sudden. When it does, Oklahoma will go from something like the 120th ranked defense in the country last year to uh, maybe mid-60s this year, and that's exactly what this Oklahoma team needs. Now, what's going to be the thing that the, the biggest hurdle? It's that offensive line. Can the offensive line be great enough? I'm sorry, can the offensive line be adequate enough to not be a weak link as the defense improves, as the quarterback is new, and all that other stuff. Right, and, and the last time they lost four offensive linemen from their starting five, they uh, ended up with an injured Sam Bradford for most of his junior season. So uh, that is correct. I mean, give you a little history there. It is going to be vital for these guys to grow up quickly on uh, that offensive line there. Uh, of teams that could go to bowl games here, how many do you think are possible? This round robin style makes things so tough. You only have three non-conference yeah. games. What, what do you think? How, how many teams from this league you think are capable of uh, getting the six wins to, to be bowl eligible? Um, I think the top six should be pretty easy: Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Uh, I think the guys who want to be that seventh Big Twelve team—they had seven last year. Somebody's going to have to shock somebody. Um, you know, West Virginia's got a couple of transfer quarterbacks, Jack Allison from Miami and Austin Kendall from Oklahoma, that need to figure out that rotation. Um, uh, Texas Tech, I guess, is going to have to beat somebody that they're not expected to beat. But that's where having that, 
that new coach who Matt Wells, I mean, I, I you know, sat with him and he said he, I, I told him that I covered his, one of his high school football games, uh, back when I was a cub reporter for the Oak Mulgee Daily Times. Uh, Oak Mulgee took a really good team to Salisaw in the playoffs and got beat. And he says, I remember that game and I remember you from that game, <laughs> which is just mind blowing. But you think, you know, a senior in high school, uh, getting interviewed by the local paper, he probably remembers it. So I, I was kind of, I was extremely impressed by that. And now imagine being coached by that guy. Imagine being a college football player and somebody comes in and he's got that kind of makeup, that kind of mentality, that kind of toughness, that kind of character. And you're like, Hmm, I think I could play for this guy. Texas Tech could be that team if Alan Bowman stays healthy this year. He had the collapsed lung uh, two times last year. Yeah, if he's able to uh, stay healthy, you know, stay completely away from that. I think Texas Tech's offense is going to be good enough to win some games, and you know, then they've got work to do defensively. Where, by the way, he said that uh, Matt Wells said that their new defensive coordinator Keith Patterson, East Central alumni like myself, East Central University down in Ada, Oklahoma, uh, said that he's going to be. Uh, he is one of the best football coaches he's ever been around. Think about that. Wow. That uh, that says a lot. No no question about that. Last question for you, John. We'll let you run on this. For, for KU, pick 10th in the league. You know, new head coach in Les Miles and everything. You do get Puka back and, you know, after you know, only having a one-game suspension. What do you think is, uh, for this team, what would be a successful season for Les Miles in year one at Kansas? Well, they were three and nine last year, right? Yes. So would three be acceptable again? Would three be considered an exce- a success? Let's go. Let's go down the list. No Puka, that's a win, right? Coastal right. Carolina. Somebody told me at Big Twelve Media Day, "Hey, Coastal Carolina could sneak up on him." I'm like, "Eh, okay, maybe." That's a home game, right? So, right. Let's 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 assume that's a win at Boston College. It's Friday night in Boston. That's going to be a difficult one to win. Then you start counting them up. Two, Indiana State, Coastal Carolina. Where is the third one going to come from? Where is the fourth one going to come from? It's got to come from that group of Kansas State, um, you know, West Virginia early on maybe. Maybe they get something good against going against Boston College and they come back home and, and beat beat West Virginia. And that's a long trip for West Virginia to make. Right. New coach, new coaching staff, all that stuff. I don't know. I don't see more than four on the schedule. I'm looking at Texas home game against Texas Tech might might stand up. You got Kansas State down on November 2nd. That might stand up as a win. Uh I think that's the ceiling for Kansas, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you're you're looking at, you know, best case scenario is somehow pulling off 5 or 6 and worst case scenario being down to 2 or 3. Uh I think yeah. the sweet spot there is about that four wins. That's where I got them at this year, but uh we'll see ultimately what happens there john a lot of ways to uh, connect with you You're, you got the lindy's magazines out which everybody needs to go pick up now working with sporting news doing radio down in tulsa and oklahoma city uh telling people where they can find you and see all your fantastic work man well i appreciate it it's uh the website is the franchise ok.com we got content up there on uh the obviously big 12 conference and ou and osu football but lots of stuff on the oklahoma city thunder as well uh, and other things. Uh, so that's thefranchiseok.com. And then you can always follow me. Find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter. And the Twitter handle will lead you to the other ones. At John E. Hoover. Easy enough. Hoover, I still have not had enough beers since uh, since Russ got traded. I'm still hurt inside. Well, you're going to have an opportunity to get enough beer with KU selling liquor this year at the uh, football true. game. That's <laughs> true. 
that's true. I can, uh, <laughs> I, I could uh, pour out my grievances on, on multiple things at once. There, yes, that sounds like a, a brilliant idea. Hoof, thanks for the time. Thanks for joining us, man. You got it, Tyler. Thanks. Big thanks to John Hoover for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. A couple more things to get to before we get out of here today. We'll get to Tom Fullery coming up in uh, just a little while from right now. But first, a couple more notes to add to from uh, Big 12 Football Media Days. The uh, first of those will start with the uh, KU football front. They are going to sell alcohol at uh, football games this year. Beer and wine will be available at a Memorial Stadium for the 2019 season in the foreseeable future for Kansas football. Uh, Athletics Director Jeff Long said they have not made a decision in regards to Allen Fieldhouse yet for if they will be allowed to have uh, beer and, and wine in the uh, future there. That that's the decision that's to be made later. But we know for now that uh, that football will have it. And it does come with a no reentry policy as expected you didn't have that before but with, with this coming to KU now Tom this is a long time coming of the days that you could be allowed to have a, a cold one at Memorial Stadium and it, it makes sense I know that there's you know some people out there like oh you're taking away from the family atmosphere and all this whatever <laughs> um I mean it's they're, they're full of BS because all that was happening was Memorial Stadium was just losing money on it. If there, there was no re-entry policy before, people just booze up at halftime or during a timeout, whatever, then come back in. Now they're just keeping that money in-house. That's all this is. And, I mean, you got the opportunity to you know, buy one if you you forgot to you know go get beer or whatever. I mean, you got options right there. This is great. This is a game changer. This, this is a win for everybody involved. I think so. And if you, you had the money, before and if you liked KU football that much or if it was just a reason to drink I, I believe it used to be called the touchdown club it might still be is that correct yes the touchdown club what it really should have been it should have been the section behind the end zone should have said misery loves company and brought to you by makers mark because when I was there you know how many bottles of makers that I saw down there oh my gosh I they kept... Oh, my God. They should be sponsored by Maker's Mark. I should be there. I should be a rep for them. I'm drinking Maker's Mark right now. Um, so it's nothing new. But now, if you don't have the money, if you don't have the money, now you can still at least afford a $10 beer instead of paying, you know, $250 a ticket to watch KU lose. Right. Um so, I mean, hey, you can't be – and wine. I don't think OSU has wine yet. It's a little bit classier in Lawrence. But, uh, I mean, with less coming in, I, I think it's only right. Right. You, you need to liquor up a little bit. And I'll say this, Tom, that, you know, with the, the alcohol sales coming in and all this, with what KU fans have dealt with for the last, you know, 10-plus years now of such bad football – they deserve a cold one or two. That might keep some folks in that were leaving at halftime to go get boozed up, whatever. Now that they can just buy those there at the stadium, they can drown their sorrows uh, with everyone else there at Memorial Stadium now. I mean, this is uh, this is much deserved. This is well-earned for what KU fans have had to put up with. I think at least for the first game, they should do like 
like pregame, I think they should do like a happy hour, or like two dollar bush lattes. We're not. This this is not Iowa State, Tom. I mean, you're close enough. Okay, I, I mean, what would be your cheap beer of choice? Natty Light, two dollar natties. Maybe, uh, maybe PBR would be the go to. I think so. That or like have a have like an outdoor, you know, pay five dollars to get into the KU beer garden. All you can drink PBR before the game. Wouldn't that be great? I, I think that this is uh, this is going to add to the experience of adding alcohol sales to the stadium. Some folks, I've already heard some people say, well, students can't afford that anyway. I'm like, no, you, you don't understand. The students will spend their last, every last dime that they have to be drinking in the stadium. That's what's going to happen. The, the, the real thing, if you could put it on Bursar, then you'd be good to go. Right. Then then you'd be all set. But this is great. I, I think yeah, it's going to add to the fan experience. And uh, you know more people. I think there's a potential to increase in crowd size uh, of allowing this. And the no worry entry thing. A lot of people were shaking their heads about this. I think that they didn't really have a, a choice. I think that's a legal thing that uh, when you have alcohol involved, you have to have the no reentry uh, of, of those type of things. I mean that's. Uh, I mean you, you hate it that you, you can't leave and come back, but it's it's necessary for uh, for these type of times. So that, but I, you know, I thought OU before they even thought about beer. I thought there was a no reentry policy. Is that correct? At OU, I believe there was. I believe, and you know, I I heard you know just working. There's a lot of OU fans where I work. There's a lot of OSU fans too, but you know, a lot of people have season tickets. So I would talk to them, and they would say that even uh, I think they had gates set up, maybe at least 50 yards from the entrance, that you couldn't have a beverage um so you either had to just down it or throw it away before walking through the gates uh to even get anywhere near the entrance uh in, in norman so and, and you know norman will get better with that probably too uh, but you know it does it is unfortunate but speaking it from experience i went ahead if i'm gonna buy a ticket and go to a game I'm just going to go ahead and spend the money and drink the beer anyway because last year I was double fisting and boom pickings and it was uh, it was glorious. So tell, um, tell me this, Tom, uh, for for KU fans since they're going to be new to this, give me the rundown. What would be if you were in the life of a KU fan and this is your opportunity to educate Jayhawk Nation? How should they approach game day with, with alcohol sales now in the stadium? Tell me, walk me through from sunrise to sundown where this all starts for, for a KU fan now, how they should approach game day now. I mean, now I don't know what the security is like at Memorial Stadium, but I mean, I, I mean, for my time there, I mean, don't take, don't, we're going to go on record, but not really. Um, I wouldn't imagine that it would be too hard to sneak anything in your boot now i'm not condoning that i'm just saying that it probably wouldn't be too hard Um, we are not responsible if you do this right exactly i'm not condoning it but i'm saying it does happen and it's not that hard to do but considering i don't i mean maybe with less miles maybe we'll get more night games with ku maybe it'll still be 11 30 kicks i mean i think as always you have to liquor up before uh just knowing even if it is 11:30 kick i mean it is tough uh but 
you know, you do what you you need to do for the love of your team. And, uh, I, I mean, there's always, you know, $10 beers inside. I, I think, Jones, when we went to the Boise State game last year at OSU, I think I spent 40 to $50 on beer. Granted, you and Nolan were there as well, and we were all having a good time. And, and then Nolan got slapped outside the stadium from Billy, but and it was all in good fun. So, it was and then uh, I punched him in the gut as well. He, he got right. He took quite the beating that day. He did. He did. I don't even know. I think Billy might have bought him a couple of beers, but I mean, it's just having that. You just spend the extra money. I mean, to get into a KU game this year, and I'm not trolling KU by any means, but it's still not going to be that expensive, is it? They raised ticket prices actually this year. Did they? And what's the cheapest ticket going to be? 10, 15 bucks, you think? From the by game time? From the university, I think tickets start at like 20 or 25 bucks. Okay, wow. Well, and in particular, I mean, they're trying to uh tickets are a little bit higher for the K-State and OU games. Okay, fair. That's fair. Um you can still, I mean, to still go to a college football game, a Big 12 game at that, if you can get in around game time, you can get tickets, I'm sure, from a scalper for cheaper right at game time or even when the game has started. And you can go in, you know, five minutes into the first quarter, and if you've already drank a few beers or, you know, done your due diligence, you can go in and, and you're still not spending that much money compared to if you were going to Norman where there's not any beer yet. Uh, OU's adding beer this year, actually. Okay, this year. Okay, compared to last year, I guess. But if we went to Norman last year, we couldn't have went outside and got a beer. At KU, we could have. Right. Right. So, I mean, you take, you know, a little bit lesser competitive football for going outside and drinking a cold one, or you take more competitive football and go in and, but Hope no one catches the the fifth in your boot. Right, right. You you don't have no you, you don't have reentry though at KU now, so that that certainly changes that too. But I think this is going to add to it. The other thing too, Tom, was that you had a number of students that would rather just go to the bar and watch there, and this included basketball too. They're like, why would I go to the stadium, pay for a ticket when I can just go to the bar and drink? And watch the game and, and that the same dollars to right have the same experience with the fans that are all there at the bar and everything too. Um, I mean at KU you got the bar band that goes around and and uh, from bar to bar too. It's one of the coolest things you can see in town. So now um, just having that option, I think that more than anything, this is going to reach out to students to try to get them back after that third or fourth home game. I mean the students are just non-existent. Uh, at, at David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. I think, you know, of course it'll be better. I mean, even if they still wanted to leave at halftime, you could still go in and get a beverage and not be outside the stadium. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm not, I'm not sure how KU works compared to like places I've been like OSU where you have to buy student tickets for football games, but is, do you have to pay for them at KU or are they complimentary for students? You, you do have to pay for them. Ten bucks a game. That's not bad. That's what sixty bucks, seventy bucks, right? And uh, you can pay an all sports pass, which gets you in every sporting event for the entire year for like two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, and that's that's worth it alone for going in the fog. Now, 
it will be revolutionary if they bring beer into the fog. Right. That'll be it something. Will, that will be a game changer. That'll be something if if they uh, if they do do that and uh, allow alcohol sales into Allen Fieldhouse. And people argue, well, you don't want to take away from the experience and all this, yada yada yada. Um, I mean, you think about it, Tom. You you have beer sales at the Big Twelve tournament, the NCAA. You know, anytime KU plays in uh, in these neutral sites, you know, NBA arenas, whatever, there's alcohol sales there, and there's no issues there. I would imagine that you know, everything would be just fine. I don't really see that taking away from the aura that is Allen Fieldhouse uh, of just having a couple of I think it might involved. add to it. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's worth an experiment. Right? Worth I'm a shot. I'm all for it. Worth a shot. Tom, uh, also the uh, the big thing coming out of uh, Big 12 Media Days this week was the uh, news of the new Big 12 network that is uh, set to launch on ESPN+. It's going to be called Big 12 Now. And as we talked about with Hoove just a few minutes ago, some of the details on that, just kind of explain how this works, is that the third-tier rights that every school has in the Big 12, which is one non-conference game in football, six basketball games, and possibly more, uh, but six guaranteed anyway, and then all the Olympic sports, all of those are going to... Other than OU and Texas, the other eight schools starting this year, and some schools will, uh, it'll be next year when they're officially in. But by the end of next year, by next year, the other eight schools are going to have all their Olympic sports and your the third tier rights on this uh, ESPN Plus. And so it does a couple different things. One of those is that there's no need if you're Oklahoma State, you're not going to have games on Fox Sports Oklahoma anymore. If you're KU, you're not going to have games on, you know, Midco or Spectrum. You know, that's just done with. It's just all at ESPN Plus for your third-tier rights. It is going to mean more money. It also allows in-house production as well, which is more opportunity for students. It expands your, 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 your abilities of what you can do as a university. You can produce more live sporting events and such in-house um, that's a great thing that you're able to do. And so that's an opportunity in itself right there. And then not to mention, it's a one-stop place. I know it's frustrating of, you think about it, all those women's basketball games, not on TV for the most part. Most of the women, no, most of the uh, Big 12 women's basketball games will not be on television. They will be on ESPN+. And I know that's a big problem for some folks, but you think about this, by putting it on ESPN Plus, okay, I'm going to pay five bucks, and I know where exactly to go to get that game. That it's going to be there. That all those Big Twelve Olympic sports and all that is going to be right there in one place. And you know, sure, I can't get it on my TV, but I'm going to have to use the Chromecast, or I'm going to have to, you know, put it on my Apple TV of some sorts. I mean, you're going to have to get creative to see some of these games. And Tom, I know that there's some frustrating parts to it. But when you put this all together of those eight teams and then the road games of OU and Texas, th this seems to make sense. And in this day where cable is struggling more than ever, this is a good option, a good long-term option for the Big 12 and their third-tier rights to uh, make this work and make this accessible for everybody. Oh, 100%. And, and 
out of all the moves that the Big 12 have done over the years, this is one of the better of them. Coming from a guy without cable, uh, you know how much I strive to find a Reddit stream, uh, a, you know, for any college football, uh, let alone for an OSU game. Uh, if it's not on, I have to find a stream that lags severely. If I can just pay five bucks a month uh, and and take away all the extracurricular activity that I have to do to get a legal stream, the uh, the virus um, uh, avoidance, I will 100% do it. Uh, I mean, it's it's a literally a no-brainer for anybody without cable. Uh, this is this is the new way. I mean, usually you have to work your way around. Um, trying to find a good stream that doesn't lag or doesn't quit on you. If you can just pay five bucks a month and you can have a one-stop shop, why would you? Uh, if it was any more than five bucks, if it was ten or twelve or fifteen, no way. Uh, but I think five dollars is the perfect price point, especially if you're just a fan in total of the university. Uh, why wouldn't you? Here's the other thing too, Tom, is that that five bucks you're spending, it uh, it's not just for your school in the Big 12. That gets you access to all of ESPN+. And since ESPN took over the UFC contract, they've put their premier fights on ESPN+. You got all the 30 for 30 movies that are there and you know a couple different series. Peyton Manning has a show, Katie Nolan, some of these others that, uh, that ESPN has branded exclusive content. Uh, all the ESPN Insider stuff. Is there now? Maybe the article you wanted to see from Mel Carper Jr. about his uh, quarterback rankings for 2020 that you couldn't read before. Now you got access to that too. So, really, five bucks. And I mean, I, I was one that when ESPN Plus started, I, I was not happy because they took away content I got for free with ESPN three. And uh, now. Here we are a year later, and I'm like, take my money. Now I got all sorts of stuff I could do with that five bucks. Right. I mean, for that much, for that price point, it's a steal. Uh, is that saying it might go up? I mean, usually everything does, but for right now, $5 gets you this much. I mean, that's less than a Spotify subscription. I don't even use Spotify as much as I should for 10 a month. Uh, I mean, really, that's a steal. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's a great opportunity. I think that, you know, down the road with the Big 12, in the scenario that they're in, they are setting themselves up for some flexibility because you get this going, all those schools, you know, can produce things in-house like that. You give yourself options in that, hey, you could really go next level with this ESPN Plus thing and bring in OU and Texas, maybe – you have equipped the schools enough to do a television network on their own uh, that way as well down the road of some sorts. I mean, you're just giving yourself more options. And also, you know, I, I know we heard Bowlesby say that they're not looking into expansion right now, but if the Pac-12 continues to have its problems with the Pac-12 network, and that doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon, if you can say that, look, we do the same type of stuff that you guys are trying to do, in-house production – and we're making money, it's easy, and it's accessible to everybody around, uh, you are going to be more attractive down the road uh, than than the Pac-12 or some of these other uh, conferences can be because the Big 12 uh, is equipping their schools to be able to handle their own business 
and to do it so in the future that focusing on the online platform instead of focusing on cable, that's the future of where television's headed. The, the Big 12, this is the first time I can think of in quite some time, Tom, where the Big 12 is actually forward-thinking here. Right, you would think. I mean, finally. Um, not only that, you mentioned the in-house production. That Also, I mean, your $5, yeah, it's going to ESPN. Uh, but at the same time, it's given back in a, in a, in a, a soft-hearted Thomas way of saying, you're giving back to the students to allow them to do so, uh, to give them essentially real-world experience with this um, for just $5 a month. I mean, that sounds like a – for me, that sounds like a uh, saying, you know, for only $1 a month you can feed all the SPCA animals. But it's not like that. I mean, it's, it's a real deal that you can give, you know, the students an opportunity maybe where they wouldn't had one before uh, – you know, students at maybe to work with ESPN to give them real world experience, uh, and, and you get to watch that firsthand. So it's not necessarily even about all about the athletes that you get to watch. It's about the other students that are going to your, you know, your school or your university behind the scenes, allowing them the chance uh, to have this opportunity. And so, hell, for five dollars a month, give me two subscriptions. Right, I think it's great. Uh, hopefully, this uh, works out and takes off and. The Big 12 positions themselves uh, good for their future with this. This is the right direction in doing so. We also learned with the Big 12 Now channel that there's going to be an 18-part series following the KU football program. And they began filming this back when uh, when the coaching search began. And there, there are some things that do raise my eyebrows about this that uh, they show less miles, you know, interviewing for this job in his home that the cameras were there and then he's at the Oread taking the call and they're making it look like he's just at a restaurant but you can tell by the background that he's just at the Oread Lawrence some of the stuff it looks it's very obvious it's it's scripted you know it's it's uh you know reenactment of some sorts I really doubt that KU had cameras in Les Miles's home when they were looking at hiring him I I don't think right. I mean, case. that would be too much. Right. I I, I mean, you got to play it up a little bit. Right. There, there's some acting involved. But other than that, I, I've seen some of the clips and just the preview stuff of some different events I was at as media. So I would imagine that you're probably going to see me in the background a couple different times in this documentary series. But, uh, you know, as much as you hop the borders, we always see you in the background. You always find your way. Always find a way. The, the camera finds me. I don't find it. You know, it, it's always uh, looking for me somehow. But this would be that a, is true. I mean, in, the, in the great KU. Yes, um, but with this series, I, I'm fascinating with it. Fascinated with it the to great see. Great table. We saw you. Right. The uh, that was funny. That was a great day. Um, I'm fascinated to oh, see of course. this. If Rick Ross makes an appearance, it'll be enough. For Right, this is going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. To follow this series, this inside the program with Les Miles and Jeff Long, and just see how everything's going on. The camera crews. I had heard that they were doing this several months ago, and that there's this this footage potentially from what I heard, Tom. And uh, I'm not, you know, putting a report on this per se, but just speculation. One of the rumors I heard was that. This footage is also being used for the potential for a 30-for-30 30 30 down the road as well. 
So they're kind of doubling up on it, doing this series and then potentially a 30 for 30 if uh, Les could turn the program around. But very cool to kind of get that inside perspective, see exactly what's going on, look at uh, this program, some of the details. It's going to be a week-by-week show uh, on ESPN Plus following Les Miles in this KU football program. I mean, I think that's great foresight for them to just go ahead and and, and put uh, you know, a potential for a 30 for 30. I mean, hell, if Les can turn it around, if KU can do the unthinkable and make a New Year's Six Bowl, I think for me, even a New Year's Six Bowl would constitute a 30 for 30 if he can if he can sustain it. I mean, why the hell not? Right, right. I mean, why not, I mean, why not do a 30 for 30? I mean, if, at this point, I will say if they give KU a 30 for 30 before they give the Thunder one, I might be a little disappointed. Yeah, and uh, if uh, if Les Miles gets a statue before Barry Sanders, you'd be really disappointed. Yeah, that's true. If KU wants to spend their money on that, I guess, uh, then let them do. But as long as he has like uh, some grass maybe in his hand or something like that, you know, if they can play it up, I'm all for it. Right, but uh, th- this documentary series, I think that'll be that'll be fun to see. I, I don't know about you, Tom, but I love Hard Knocks on HBO. I can't get enough of it. I think this Hard Knocks series with the Raiders is going to be fantastic to watch this year. And college, I mean, they're, they're never going to show as much as Hard Knocks does because it's college. You know, it's it's different. It's, you know, they, they still got to show so much. Right. They got kids to protect and all that compared to the National Football League. But Hard Knocks light and following less miles of the KU football program right now, there is not a program I would want to see more, not just because I cover them, but a program I would want to see right now for this type of series than Les Miles and KU entering this first year. Hopefully they get around to do more Big 12 schools while they have this Big 12 now thing. I would love to see this down the road for Lincoln Riley and OU and Mike Gundy and and OSU. I mean, this thing's got some potential to be a really cool uh, series here. If they could just switch it around from year to year. You know, honestly, I would even love to see if we could go back in time I would love to see, uh, you know, Iowa State under Matt Campbell shape up the way it did. Uh, I think that would be really cool to see. Even if we could go further back in time, I would love to see Hard Knocks version of Mike Leach. Oh, you beat me to it. Wouldn't that be incredible? Could you imagine? Oh, my. That is primetime TV. That would have been incredible. If they did a Washington State and I had to pay $5 for the Pac-12 network, I would do it. If I had to pay $15, I would do it. To see I would that. watch that or I would find an illegal scream on Reddit, one of the two. Right. Could you imagine? What about like the days of Texas Tech when uh, Michael he was, Crabtree? That or the uh, the Craig James situation. Cameras Is falling that around that. Putting him in the locker. Right. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine uh, that or, oh, my, there are so many, there are so many things that I would like to see. I mean, I mean. Even just talking about Mike Leach doing a hard knocks type episode, I wish we could get Washington State needs to play a Big 12 team. Washington State really needs to play Texas Tech. That really needs to happen. Uh, or even even OU or Oklahoma State. That That is something I would watch 110%. And as long as he got mic'd up. I mean, the only other person I would rather really have mic'd up in a game other than Mike Leach would be Dana Holgerson. Yeah, Dana would be good. 
Uh, Dana would you would have to bleep a lot. I mean, it would you, we talked about a lag earlier on on the streams? That would be you'd have to give it about thirty seconds and, uh, and, from the time he pops his annex on the field. And knowing how these reality shows work, they don't like to give free advertising unless you pay for it. That Red Bull can would have to be like blurred out all the time. Oh, oh it'd be incredible, right? I mean, I think we I think we could pitch some hell of an ideas uh i mean really to get just get dana mic'd up or even to have tom herman whatever he said to mike gundy last year that mic that up i mean when I, you I, love, I would pay i would love to see tom herman on film tell a guy off for not meeting the standard of the p chart oh could you imagine how great that would be Honestly, you know how the NASCAR they, they you buy the headset at the stadium to listen in to the to the teams. Yes, I would pay twenty dollars uncensored a month to have all access to all Big Twelve games to the coaches to see what they'd say. That would be incredible. I don't. I mean, you'd have to lag it essentially, uh, but I mean the best of. I mean, you know, it wouldn't have to be the play calls or anything. But I would want to hear. I would. I would want to hear Dana Holgerson just freak out. I think TV broadcasts are at their best, Tom, when they do as much of those wired-for-sound segments as possible. Oh, to be able to hear on the field? Oh, it's incredible. Even if you sit courtside at an NBA basketball game, you know it's you know they try to, to play it up that it's for kids and all that. You sit courtside, you hear more cuss words than, than oh, my, it's incredible, actually. Uh, I mean, the first time that I sat close to the court, I heard Dwayne Dedman, that I think now plays for the Atlanta Hawks, uh, just cuss out a ref, and I thought, man, if any kids are right here, this is you could hear them perfectly. To hear that mic'd up uh, would be it would be something I would pay for, uncensored, of course. It would have to be uncensored. Right, right. I would love to see if they did basketball, do a Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Oh, could you even imagine? Uh, or even go back in time and and do the old Texas Tech days. Oh, oh Bobby, Bobby Knight. Knight. Remember Did that you... show, uh, Night School on ESPN? Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, that would be why. What What are we doing? Let's skip the podcast. Let's go in and find out how we can mic coaches up and make all this money. Uh, I mean, I would even do it for NFL players. If you, I want the completely uncensored version. I want the insults, the trash talk. I want it all uncensored. I want it like a like a gone wild, a girls gone wild commercial back in the day when you woke up at three a.m. and it was on TV. I want it all uncensored. I want all of it uncensored. <laughs> oh, Thomas Bridges uncensored. I like it. Can you imagine? I mean, we that was like uh, that was like the time I thought I was going to do my own podcast from live on the. Uh, even though I only got one episode out of it, if we could monetize that, when we wouldn't even have to do the talking, it right. would just be Mike Gundy going to Tom Herman. I, I mean, I think we're on to something here. Right. Um, you know, TNT, I always laugh when uh, if they don't have a uh, a sponsorship deal, uh, they uh, you know, it's, it's usually inside track. And then if they have a sponsorship deal with State Farm, if State Farm's paid their money, then it's the State Farm audio assist segment. 
Right. I wonder if we're going to get that to uh, Oklahoma City. I wonder if they're going to partner up. I think we should get Chris Paul to partner up with your dad. Farmers insurance. And have Chris Paul look like a farmer. <laughs> I mean, he's already endorsed by State Farm, but you never know. I mean, we could just tell your dad to steal him away. I'm, I'm sure he would work with you if we endorse him on the show. I'm, I'm sure we could get Chris Paul to do farmer's insurance. Yeah, I'm sure he's not busy or anything of, of any Probably, sort. No, not in Oklahoma City. He won't be. No, no. He's going to lose all <laughs> his endorsements and everything because small markets can't support NBA teams, apparently, from everything I've heard. <laughs> Ask the folks in Seattle. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we headed? You know what? We're going not too far from uh, from the Big 12. We're actually in the Big 12 this time. Uh, coming from one of my favorite cities, uh, at least for college football, I will be there. Nolan might be there this year um, to join me if Billy Locke is not. This comes. And, and this is not surprising at all, honestly, because when I was there in 2015, they brought out Vince Young and did all this. That was the Charlie Strong days. Now they're going back in time, Tyler Jones. They're celebrating the 1969 National Championship. Nice. And if you've been to Austin, you've seen the University of Texas Tower. It's big. It's nothing that's not, you know... It's not the uh, Empire State Building by any means, but it's big enough you can see it uh, for miles around. So the article starts off, it comes from tower.utexas.edu. So this is official as a referee whistle here. Um, lo and behold, it's not like anybody didn't make fun of it like we're about to do. Uh, tower glows for Longhorn Network photo shoot to honor the 1969 National Championship. Uh, Jones... Before I sent you this, if I said the tower glows for the Longhorn Network photo shoot to honor 1969 National Championship, you would just think that the tower would be lit burn orange. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, that's what I would think. Yes. However, Texas just went further with it, and the article reads, the UT tower will be lit burn orange with the numerals, wait for it, Six and nine displays in the windows to mark 50 years since the 1969 Texas Longhorn football team won the national championship. All I have to say to that is nice. Nice. Very nice. nice. I mean, they knew what they were doing. They had to. Yeah, it was just a nice thing for them to do. I mean, come on. I mean, it was uh, the display will last several hours on Tuesday, July 16th. So, Jones. We weren't in Austin for this. There's got to be a picture somewhere. I'm trying to continue reading on the article. It's not letting me go. Give me a second here. Um, 69, live in Austin. Um, they knew they had to know what they were doing. You just don't put that on there and not get the trolls. Oh, absolutely. Tower lighting will begin after sunset. Tower will return to its snower lighting configuration later in the night. The 69 Texas Longhorns football team, led by Coach Darrell K. Royal, went undefeated that season, winning all 11 games to earn their second consensus national championship. The first was six years early in 63. Not as good of a year. 
Um, the season featured what some consider the greatest game ever played, dubbed the game of the century. Pitted number one Texas against number two Arkansas. Longhorns came back from a 14-0 deficit in the fourth quarter to win 15-14. Team went on to win the Cotton Bowl against Notre Dame and were crowned 69 national championship champions. Uh, sorry. That really, Don't. Tom, frustrates me that of all teams to win the coveted 1969 national title was Texas. Right? It should have been the Horn Frogs. Right? That would have been perfect. Around back then, but still, I mean, there could have been there. I mean, it could have been the South Carolina Gamecocks for all we know. <laughs> Wouldn't when, that have been better? When we get to 2069, Tom. I mean, that's going to be, you know, in whatever technology we're using, whatever, 69 is never not going to be funny. And there's going to be a lot of pride in whoever's going to be the 69 national champs in, in, you know, college football and every sport for that matter. Right. I don't even know if we'll be on 2069. That is 40, 50 50 years from right now. That will be be 100th. 100th year anniversary of the 1969 Texas National Champions. Our, the mean, face what? app the face app pictures will be real for us then. Oh my god, 50 years from now I'll be 77? Almost 77? Huh. If I make it that long, I, I mean I hope that I hope if Texas wins it it's rigged. Right. Yeah, Texas can't win that. We we need uh, you know, we need South Carolina. That's who we're rooting for. South Carolina or TCU. We're jumping on the bandwagon and hoping you guys win the the uh, 2069 National Championship. I'll be in full South Carolina Gamecock attire for the entire season. We're declaring it right now, a TCU-South Carolina National Championship game. In the, the 2069 National Championship. That should really happen. Please. There's a Tom. There's there's a lot of pride in whatever offensive lineman gets to wear the number sixty nine. Like you, you are the most important player on the off on the entire team if you get that number. I, I that that number would come with honor, and you'd have to bestow great athletic ability upon it. I mean, I you couldn't wear sixty nine and be a bench warmer. No, that number has to see the field. It does. And the perfect position for it is the center position. Oh yeah, snapping under sixty-nine. Yes. And you got to. He, I mean, you got to go under sixty-nine instead of go under center. <laughs> it would be really even better if the quarterback was six, right? And the center could wear nine, right? Oh. That would be one day. One day when numbers for for you know. For positions aren't a thing. If that ever happens, that will be the day. Right? That'll be next level. That'll be like uh, when Louisville had Lamar Jackson and then another kid named Samuel, and it said Samuel L. Jackson on the jerseys. That'll be right. next level. It will be next level, and I hope it's I hope it's the Gamecocks and the Horn Frogs. Yes, so there you have it. There's our national champ. We have not made our national championship picks, Tom, for this year, but we already have our picks for 2069 TCU versus South Carolina. I'm going with. I'm, we're calling it now. Put that on record. It'll be way deep in the archives by then. And then by that time, Jones, by the time that season rolls around, we'll be on. Uh, 
will be on uh, season 58 of the Doctor Report. Yes, uh, of the uh, by then we're going back to the Doctor Report name. You know, we're... I think we have to go back like Russell Westbrook will come back to the Thunder. Right. We we will. Uh, we'll, we'll find find a way to do that. But I want to, Tom put that parlay down of TCU in South Carolina. Like, I'm so excited about this that I want to make that bet in Vegas and everything. Just make it right now. What is it worth? Right? And How much is it worth? And what happens if the casino goes out of business or something? Do I get my ticket back? How's that work? I think they just keep the money. (laughs) I don't think there's any FDIC insurance on, on tickets. Right. Man, we gotta find some details. But I will make that bet. We'll make it happen. We'll go from there. Gotta run. Big thanks to John E. Hoover from the uh, Sporting News and the franchise for joining us. And uh, thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as you have the last eight years of the Jones Report. This has been uh, fun and uh, hopefully many more years to come because we gotta get to 2069 to uh, celebrate <laughs> that uh, that national championship game between TCU and South Carolina. Then, Tom, I think that's when we can retire this show is uh, when we get to that national championship. I think that's the point when we call it call it good here. 2069, we're signing off for good. Right. So there you have it. That's where our contracts uh, are. We have placed our verbal commitments to this show to 2069 is uh, how long we're going to go with this thing. Subscribe to 50 us. More, you know, 50 more years of Jones and Tom. Oh, the best is yet to come. Hopefully. Subscribe to the show, <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, if you don't subscribe to us today, I mean, you got time. We're not going anywhere. And uh, so make sure to, you do so on uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Jones underscore Report, Insta Thomas. You can find us there. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. For Thomas Bridges and John Hoover, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you right back here next week. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.